As we begin today, I want to dedicate this episode to the victims of senseless gun violence in the United States. Throughout my travels, it amazes me how many people tell me how much they would love to visit the U.S., but fear their lives would be in danger. In the Netherlands, you see bikes scattered along the streets because there are 130 bikes for every 100 people. Keep that image in your mind, but replace it with guns. The scary fact is that the U.S. has 113 guns for every 100 people, and people are dying every day. The biggest way to change this is to push to reverse Citizens United and take money out of politics. Until then, guns will be held at a higher prestige than the sanctity of life. Be not indifferent, my friends. And with that, let's see what we can learn about the Dutch education system. Well, welcome back to The Traveling Teacher. I have a student here with me today, Rule, and his teacher, Ivo. And so we're just going to do a little warm-up question to start us off. And the warm-up question is about a favorite book, movie, or maybe musical album that was crucial to the way you think about the world. Uh, that That's a hard one, because I'm not really the, the type of guy who would... Yeah, have favorites. But I think a strong book uh, which influenced me on my thinking process uh, would be 1984. Mm. Uh, yeah, because after I read that book, um, everything, yeah, I it is it, hard to say, but I think I um, became a little bit more um, paranoid <laughs> uh, and tried to question more things and may not have helped that much but it's it's a different way of thinking and to question more things absolutely and perhaps as a teacher mine is, a, is, is even a little bit more nerdy um it is I, I think in english it's translated as i and you i'm not sure but i read it in dutch it's from the philosopher martin buber um and it's um, in fact, about God and Martin Buber thinks that uh, God is presented in the world as the energy uh, between two people who are more than just two people. So, for example, loved ones or friends. Uh, but in my opinion, it can also happen uh, between um, teacher and student. So there can be more if you if you work together um, quite intensely. Uh, and that's also why it's one of my favorites, because. Yeah, I try to use it on a daily basis in my life, but also in, in, in my classes. And I gave the book to to, uh, to graduated students uh, last year. So I also try to spread the word in that way. I love that. I think one book that always sticks with me is probably because I was read to it as a child and I've come back to it over time, over the years, is The Little Prince. Another book that's a little bit philosophical in a way of like us to be able to think about the world uh, and how we want to live in it. So, well, thank you. And Let's now, uh, we'll dive in kind of a bigger picture on the, the Netherlands uh, education system here. And so, Ivo, if you could uh, kind of run us through this system, this three-tiered system that goes down from primary to CITO, and I'll, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, I think from a, from a foreign perspective, it can be difficult, but the most important things is that our primary school 
uh, it's for everyone. So these are public schools. Um, it's from four uh, years old to 12 years old. At the end of the primary school, there's what we call a CETO test. There are some other tests, but CETO-like test. Um, and you get an advice of your teacher, um, which um, assures the, the level you can start at your high school. And the test is also to check the advice and to make your high school understand why things are going uh, like they're going or things are going like they were not supposed uh, <laughs> to do. Um, then in the, the high school, it depends on your level, can be four years, so 12 till 16, five years till 17, or six years till 18. And the higher the level, uh, the longer it takes. Um, and afterwards, you can um, do, um, yeah, you go to university when you did the highest grade. Uh, and for the other ones, we've got the University of Applied Sciences um, and what we call the MBO. So it's, it's more practical education to, um, yeah, to, to make sure you can go on studying because studying with us is obligated, obligated until the age of 18. So everyone needs to do a study uh, until the age of 18, uh, unless you got graduated earlier yeah, because of your own speed. So to be clear, there's three separate secondary schools. There's the VMBO, which is more focused on vocational work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the, the VMBO is split in four parts again, mm -hmm. but I think that's too difficult to, to address. Uh, different specialties in, in, within that. Uh, yeah, but also different levels again. Okay. Uh, the highest one is, is more theoretical, but with a practical point of view. Mm -hmm. uh, and the lowest, but we, yeah, we don't address it as the lowest normally, but it's completely practical without that much, that much theory. So it's, it's about the amount of theory you can uh, handle, in fact. But, but um, as, as, as a total, VMBO is, is, is the most practical one. And since Raul, I think you, since you were in a hollow, can you explain that a little bit? Uh, yeah, so I went to primary school with every other, like every other kid. Uh, but then we got sort of split up. So some people went to VMBO, I went to Havo, and some people went to uh, VVO. And we all differ in schools, so uh, this school uh, only does uh, Havo uh, and Vivio, uh, but there are other schools who only do Vimeo. Uh, so the, there, there's a, dif a difference in school also. Um, and I'm doing the curriculum of five years. Um, I failed one year, so I had to redo that one year. So. Eventually, it's six years for me. I'm in my final year, the grade fifth. Um, and at the end of the year, I'll get my finals, uh, which will determine if I'll uh, yeah, pass or not. Otherwise, I'll have to redo the year, uh, the fifth year. Um, and if I pass, I can go to a HBO or a MBO. And those are the two uh, equivalent of uh, the university, so uh, but then the uh, the VMBO or the Havo version of university. Thank you for breaking that down. I think one thing that my uh, American sensibilities kind of get heightened when I hear about these tests that like puts you in one place or the other. Can you explain maybe like from your perspective what it was like to take the the CTO at the age of twelve? Uh, well, I took uh, the CETO at the age of 11, and so did a lot of my friends. And we 
Well, you, you sort of grow into it because every year uh, at primary school, there is a CEDO score and that will sort of determine whether you'll go through the next year or not. Uh, and uh, well, there, uh, as uh, Evo said already, um, it, it's, the on, uh, it's only the end CEDO that will determine uh, which advice you will get from your teachers. But you do it every year, so you grow into it, and the end CEDO is not very much different. So it's just another test. Okay. So m most of the students aren't that stressed at all because yeah. they just do a test, and, and they know the advice from the teachers already. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's not that heavy. It's not that it decides if you become rich or not. It doesn't decide if you become happy or not. It's just the next step. And if you're... A, a, a grade that's too high or too low, it can be fixed later on again. So it's not that decisive. And I think since you mentioned that, I think the point about like whether or not being rich or not, I think often some of the criticism is that it kind of perpetuates this class system. Can you can you address that issue at all? Yeah, I think because of most of the the yeah school financing is is uh, on a national basis with us. So the government is is paying uh, by far the most of the, the costs. Uh, for example, I think the most expensive is a study at university or a university of applied sciences. Um, yeah, and in a normal situation, students just pay 2,000 euros a year and all the rest is paid by, uh, by the government. Um, so it's not that social class based, but we see now if students are not that are not good enough by themselves, um, richer parents can buy a private teacher to, uh, to help uh, their kid. And there, the social part is coming in. And some uh, people have to borrow money to buy uh, their study at university. Uh, and there, it's again, it's more easy for, for richer um, students just because parents can pay it or because uh, repaying is way more easy. So there is a, a little bit of social classes involved, but it's not decisive again because most of the, the education is paid by the government. And that's incredibly helpful. Of course, there's other social systems that are also paid for by the government, which we don't have, like the healthcare and other systems. Yeah, yeah. So in, in Holland, it's the most uh, important examples, healthcare and um, education. Well, thank you very much for like, kind of breaking that down for me. And I think now, like going from that big system now to going down to the school, kind of curious about hearing how this, you know, the school runs on a day-to-day -day basis. One thing, just being here for two days, being able, or for, for a couple hours, seeing your two classes, I was able to see kind of like the independence that a lot of the students are provided. Can you maybe walk through, and maybe we'll start with Evo and then oh, you can go there, like kind of the structure of, of the school day and the school year and how that the students are. Yeah, yeah I think most important, um, we work with schedules. So we teach subjects, uh, in fact, every hour mm -hmm. uh, and the schedule is on a weekly basis. So you do every subject at least one time, but mostly two or three times a week. Um, if you finish your, your year, if you, if you, if you yeah, finish it, in fact, if, if you got it, then you go on to the next year and again, you will do all the subjects. So we do not stop with a subject and start another one the next year, but you will do all the subjects for four, five or six years. When you get a little bit older from the fourth grade, you can choose some subjects to specialize. So you do uh, a smaller number of subjects, but they will be more difficult. 
And then at the end, you do the final exams. And, and I think in the Netherlands, it's quite common that teachers are trying to help students reaching their goals. And of course, I'm the boss. But I think it's very important uh, for students just to, to um, say to me what they prefer. Also say when they don't like something, preferably also when they like something, uh, because we need to help them to go there. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's not my way or the highway. Uh, and, and I think that's quite typical for the Dutch system. Uh, but I can imagine that, that a day at school looks a little bit different from the perspective of a, of a student. Uh, yeah, well, um, I am a student uh, in my final year. And uh, I've had uh, pretty much all the classes uh, since the first grade. Uh, only since the second grade, I had French and German. And I didn't like those languages, so uh, I, I chose not to have them. But instead, I got other uh, subjects. Um, yeah, uh, and and it just continues on uh, year in year out, and which I actually prefer uh, because it's yeah, well, it's the curriculum you already know, and it's just further going on. Uh, uh, within the education and within the subject. Just to as a clarification to yeah. when you say first grade, the age oh. of first grade it is uh, that's about twelve years old. Twelve years old, and so your secondary goes from first grade to sixth grade. Is that correct? Uh, if you have uh, Fabio Niveau, uh, I don't. So I do uh, first to fifth year, um, which ends at about seventeen. Thank you. That's a good clarification. And then I'm curious too, because I just learned about the kind of the theater program that you have here and also the some of the international travel that uh, this school and, and most other schools in the Netherlands have. From my, from my perspective, I think most important is uh, you visited the classroom. Yeah. Um, the educational system in the Netherlands is based on classrooms. So we work with books or um, digital information, but it's not that dynamic. So we try to uh, let our students learn uh, also uh, more, more practically uh, with day trips in the Netherlands, for example, with economics to, uh, to, the, to the central bank. Um, so just, just like the, the, the Dutch Fed. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we also do day trips uh, abroad. For example, we've got one in, um, uh, for, the last, um, for the last year. So the older ones go for history, a combination of history and English to... Um, to Belgium for war poetry and the history of the First World War. Um, we do day trips for language in the lower grade, so they have to talk with local people. Uh, and in the fourth grade for HAVO and fifth grade for VWO, uh, there's a week abroad just to work together, uh, to have fun with school, but also to um, practice um, things they learned or visit uh, museums um, with information they learned about just to see how things roll in other countries. So it's to make it more fun, but also to make it uh, more more practical. And this is something that happens in all public schools across. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost most of them. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's quite common that you visit um, uh, other countries at least one or two times uh, during your school time. The sort of program I think would be much more seen in the United States as like a private school uh, or a school in a, a wealthier community. So it's, it's it's wonderful to see that like all students are able to have these type of opportunities to see this kind of 
international perspective. Yeah, yeah, it's again because um, it's it's all uh, on a on a national basis. Most of our schools are the same. So there are some private schools. Uh, they're way smaller than the normal ones, uh, and mostly visited by students who did not succeed in normal schools. Um, but you have to pay way more. So most uh, the parents do not choose to do so because the level of education in, in public schools is uh, more than good enough. So, mm -hmm. so I think it's a complete different yes. uh, system. Yeah. I mean, that's the system that I think we're striving for, right? Is where we can have public school that is, has, gives everybody the opportunity to an excellent education. That's definitely something that I'm striving to learn more about so I can maybe implement that in the schools that I'm that I work in. So then tying back into maybe like now going to your classroom specifically, I'm curious about like what favorite teaching practices that you do, what 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 are the things that you love about teaching and maybe you can also share what you loved about Evo's classes. Um, yeah I think um Sometimes I say that, that I only um, did my job good enough if I can make students knowing the subject better than I do. Um, so that's what, what I'm striving for, I think. Um, not always possible. Uh, in the second place, I really do prefer the way that um, younger human beings are not, yeah, in fact, perhaps not, not spoiled with reason or so. Um, they, they just say what they think. It, it's not mm. about... Uh, behaving correctly it's just about working together and there's also yeah perhaps an ingredient of that boring teacher in front of me perhaps um, that's uh, why why I love the book and love my job because it creates a friction um, which is very good to develop for students but also uh, to develop myself and to stay sharp in communicating uh, honestly respectfully uh, to work together so not top-down teaching but more uh, yeah perhaps even bottom-up or, or at least uh, learning together. Uh, and I've tried to create a, a level of trust and a level of relation. Uh, and afterwards, I'm sure I, the um, students will, yeah, will, will keep uh, in bounds, let's say, uh, but because they want to do so or because they know it's the best thing to do. Um, so I really don't like punishments and I, I try to behave myself in a way um, that it's not necessary. So all the punishments, in my opinion, are also uh, a lack of quality from my side. Hmm. What do you notice about Evo's class that you, you find to be particularly uh, different or something that at least you really enjoy? Uh, the friction was talking about, um, there isn't much friction between me and other students and the teacher. Uh, but in Evo's class, it's very different. Uh, it's, it's more dynamic, the communication. And it, it sometimes it's a back and forth uh, with one student in front of the whole class. And if someone makes a joke, maybe uh, at the expense of someone else, uh, everyone gets laugh and there is more friction. And it will keep other students um, more focused on what the, uh, with air quotes, uh, the boring teacher uh, says. Uh, so that that is more interesting to actually, yeah, pay attention. Thank you. I, I'm curious about, I guess, also the, the kind of contemporary issues that you may see in the teaching profession. And maybe you can share a little bit, because in the United States, you know, there's definitely a lot of things that we're trying to work on. What are some of them that you're trying to work on in the Netherlands? 
And the thing you, you hear the most, in fact, it's two things, but, but they come together, uh, is the status of the profession and um, yeah, the, the amount of money you, uh, you earn with it. Um, in, yeah, around World War II, the uh, teacher was a, a real authority. What he said was right. So you lived in a village with, uh, in fact, um, a mayor, a preacher, and a teacher. And these were the three people of the town. Now, that time is over, um, but uh, teachers are still thinking about that time because we are the boss. We do have all the knowledge. Uh, we have to learn it. It's heavy, 30 against one. Um, and we, did not, we do not get paid that well. Um, so th that's the biggest problem, I think, in the Netherlands now, unless I'm forgetting something about teaching. And I think this is mentioned the most. Um, oh, and the pressure. There are many pressure on teachers in the Netherlands. So there are uh, yeah, many burnouts, etc. And one thing that you were mentioning before is that there are a lot of like part-time teachers. Yeah. Does that affect you as a student? Do you, you know, notice when there are part-time teachers? Uh, no, but you do notice when teachers are studying themselves. Because uh, in the Netherlands, you're allowed to teach a class of, say, 30 while you're actually in school yourself. Uh, and you do notice uh, that because they lack experience or even confidence. Uh, and then 30 against one gets really difficult for the teacher. Um, I wouldn't say that student, the students would smell the fear, but it's definitely there. <laughs> Not only with students, uh, studying teachers. It's just, it's also some kind of a talent, I guess. So there are people who are more scared in front of groups. Uh, and, and I really do recognize that students do smell that fear. Yeah, no, that, yeah that's a universal, I think, skill of, of students to be able to have a particular strong nose for that. It's testing the boundaries, see when they snap. Yeah. <laughs> but I hope in my case, uh, Roel only noticed that I was studying because I told him, not because of my exactly. smell of fear. So I think I'd like to, you know, finish off our podcast here with just kind of an open-ended question about ways in which you can improve the education system. If you were given unlimited resources in the position of power in order to do so, I'd like to hear from both perspectives. What are specific changes that you would make in order to improve it? Um, that, that, that's actually kind of hard because um, this system, uh, this way of teaching uh, really suits me, uh, but if I had an unlimited uh, resource of great teachers, I def uh, define them as uh, more confident um, and, well, yeah, uh, themselves having uh, excellent education. But the second part is true in most cases. So I'd say confidence. Uh, would be the most important thing in a teacher. Otherwise, everything's fine. <laughs> I enjoy school, so. Yeah. I'm very happy uh, with my job, um, but I think the biggest problem of the school system, not particularly the Dutch school system, but school system is the fact that it's a system. Um, uh, a system means boundaries, a system means rules. Um, and as we do it in the Netherlands, I think um, as far you as you can have a good system, we have a very good system. Um, but yeah, I think um, Rael said, said a great thing for me. It's also why I love my job. I think we need 
um, the courage um, for teachers. Um, first, to, to state that um, Google is way more clever than they are. So we are not the uh, knowledge authority anymore. Um, even the digital skills are uh, way more developed with our students than with, with most of my colleagues. So we also ha um, have to dare to state that they are quicker in finding information. So we don't need to be uh, that busy with telling them the truth or telling them the theory. We have to dare to let them find the theory. And then we have to train them with selecting information because I think that's one of the biggest problems of our future. Mm -hmm. um, and if they do so, we have to uh, also make sure they can cooperate uh, because uh, you've got different talents in a classroom. Um, so uh, I think we, we have to yeah, dare to let it go, to, to speak with, uh, with Elsa. Um, we have to dare to let it go and, and uh, only uh, act when something gets dangerous or when something went wrong already. So it's not about avoiding, it's uh, for students about experience, experiencing and for teachers about make sure they can evaluate well instead of act too early and make sure you get your final exam goals. So it's way more about relation, about experiencing, about, yeah, in fact, about letting go. And, and I think you need courage to do so. But if you're able to do so, you can um, yeah, reach way more goals than just the goals of the final exams. And students will not be students, but, but in fact will be um, yeah, the most beautiful moment in, in human development, I guess, because it's only getting less and less because you learn things and you have to obey rules and have to listen to your boss. And from that moment on, they're just normal human beings. Yeah, I think when we give the students the power to be decision makers over their own education and help guide them in that way, it can be a very powerful change. Way better. In fact, as, as a tutor, to my tutor students, uh, so it's the VWO, uh, if they can make clear to me why they don't need to follow classes, uh, we make an exemption for them. So they can just skip classes, but they also have to explain to me what they're going to do, um, and it needs to be uh, more useful to them than the class they were supposed to follow. So I, I, I really try to play with the system because the system is ugly by itself, but, but you can decorate it by initiative from students and, and you can help students developing because of the system. Providing that independence. Yeah, and, and, and an experience that they can influence themselves, things they thought they were not able to influence. Thank you both so much for being here today. It's been an exciting kind of perspective on the Netherlands system and how we can decorate the system to uh, provide greater independence for our students. So thank you so much. Very welcome. Thank and, you. And, and I'm looking forward to hear all the other countries you're about to visit. Absolutely. As I walk away from today, there are clearly a lot of differences in our systems. The ideas that will stick with me are one, the dedication to an international perspective through the teaching of multiple languages and purposeful field trips, and two, classes on economics and ethics and philosophy to purposely create a well-educated citizenry. What did you learn? Please follow this podcast on Spotify and Instagram and share your questions with me at the Traveling Teacher Podcast. Please leave feedback on what you would like to hear more about 
so that I can improve and implement it on my next conversation. Class dismissed. Thank you.